Hi there, welcome to episode 67. And I have got a list here. List of five options. <laughs> no, they're not options, actually. They're all um, obligatory. But what I'm going to do here is... Now, let me let me take a look now. Oh, by the way, if you're listening in audio, you're really missing out on the old... The yellow room, as I'm going to call this. Now, there is a possibility that I go in post-production and sort out the, the colour. Probably not going to happen, but, you know, if I'm not yellow, then I've done that, okay? If I'm yellowish, then I haven't done it. So if it's audio, you're thinking, what's he talking about? Well, then get yourself onto YouTube. In YouTube, what you do is you type in Paranormal Blip, and then you'll see this video episode 67. Thank you for everyone watching on YouTube. Thank you for all the subscribers. Thank you for sharing and liking and all of that stuff. Now, five things, okay? But that's not what to do. That's what not what to do. That's what not what to do. Hold on. Five things. It's not natural for me because I suppose I could mirror it, couldn't I? Yeah, mirror it. Mirror it. Darren Aronofsky. Whenever I say Darren Aronofsky, this is, do you remember that? Um, this isn't one of the five things, but do you remember that interview when uh, Lou Elizondo started to say, oh, fingerprints, sunflowers, galaxies, and he kind of linked up all of these you know, kind of micro, macro uh, patterns, okay? He's talking about, you know, the kind of wonder of the universe is is repeatable, very much um, sheldrake from from Lou Elizondo there. Anyway, Darren Aronofsky, whenever I say Darren Aronofsky, <laughs> I think that should be included <laughs> because my mouth does extraordinary things. Oh, by the way, do you like the haircut? It's not what I asked for. I went in there with a picture of the back of uh, Patrick Kilty's head. And I said to them, ignore the colour. Because Patrick Kilty is a bit more uh, kind of like orangey hair than me. I said, ignore the colour, but like go for the ambience. But didn't quite get it, did they? No. Anyway, five things. So, oh, five things. Oh, five things. And... Right, it's been an extraordinary week. I spoke to you last Wednesday, and this is a it's a very interesting week because we have had some interesting news tonight, um, which I'll talk about. But also, it's been a really interesting week because we have had such extraordinary level, like the quality of interviews that have come out this week. Uh, you know, I commend them to you, okay, and everything I say in this broadcast i obviously will link in the episode description okay so all the way also by the way by the way thank you if you're listening on audio i do appreciate it now okay i mean it's difficult to kind of put a put a order in in all of these things so the, 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 there is no order in this uh, apart from i will uh, associate a number to each one so that leaves an order isn't it i mean the number one is the news that came out tonight, so I'll get around to that at the end. Okay, but so, starting with number five, number five, okay, number five 
is an interview that uh, uh, James Yandoli conducted with this guy called Exo Academia. Now, I imagine some of you will know who I'm talking about. I think his uh, actual name is Darren. I think it's Darren. Um, Darren Aronofsky. It's not Darren Aronofsky, but he's got the same name as well, the first name. Anyway, I think it's Darren. And, and it was a fantastic interview, okay? And I will, oh, look, Tony is back. And I will be linking, so watch the interview, yep. You need to watch this interview. It is absolutely brilliant. And like over and over again, like it's just so many great things in that interview, yep. Exo and and James. And I was lucky to speak to James a couple of months ago. So check that out if you haven't seen that. That's a good interview, isn't it? Yeah. Now, one thing that they spoke about was this this idea that Dr. Joseph Burke, who is a, a kind of regular, basically, and quite a kind of significant figure in James's life, I think that's fair to say. Um, Dr. Joseph Burke has kind of appeared in um, uh, engaging the phenomenon a couple of times. And he said, uh, he's basically got this model and Exo was talking about this model. Again, this is absolutely extraordinary, right? Um, the intelligence, the kind of NHI, you know, the phenomenon, is uh, the, the Burke's model is like supposing the intelligence uses people the same way that intelligence agencies use people to find out information, which is an interesting idea, isn't it? You know, um, I mean, you know, it suggests spies, doesn't it? Spies. So that's really, you know, kind of grabbing bit of information for me so it's a really good interview and uh it's definitely worth watching that interview uh number four what's four that's four isn't it yeah four number four is another interview and this time it's robert bigelow uh, talking to jeffrey mishlove and uh very interestingly bigelow apparently didn't know mishlove until Mishlove uh, won that competition that Bigelow did a couple of years ago, the essay writing competition, uh, to kind of, you know, like, substantiate the rumour that consciousness survives bodily death. And Mishlove, I mean, just brilliant essay, which is embedded with these extraordinary clips from decades of interviewing people, and the idea of the white crows, and it's a really, really good interview. This latest one that only went up yesterday, I think it was. And I think it's the third of this of this series of interviews that Mishlove have has conducted with with Bigelow. Now, this was a really interesting uh interview. And the kind of standout bit for me was when Bigelow said, and I'm gonna refer to my writing here because I I want to get the quotes right. Uh, essentially, Bix, which is the his organization, the Bigley Institute, Bigley Institute of Consciousness Studies, is it in, of or maybe for? No, probably of consciousness studies. Bix, their name is. Um, so they're attempting to get data from the other side 
post. It's like a delay on that quote. Quote. They should do quotes like that. Don't you think? I know what that means. What does that mean? What's that rabbit? No, don't do that. Uh, anyway, quote, the other side. I'm slightly <laughs> um, undermining the importance of this. You know, I mean, it's fair and all blip. What do you expect? Uh, would you expect the news? No. So this is the thing. I, I will just, you know, put, put aside the quote mark nonsense and the, the rabbit nonsense. Huh? Um, yeah. So th 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 he, they, they, what they're doing is they are they are attempting to get data from the other side to quote prove or disprove the uh, it's a bit like Tommy Cooper that isn't it Tommy Tommy Cooper yeah. um, to prove or disprove the data they've collected from multiple sources that the future of humankind is pessimistic so at the moment. The they they they're gathering data now. I although Bigelow didn't say this, I feel like that data, knowing you know Bigelow, um, I feel that data probably includes remote viewing, remote viewing the future. I mean, you know, gathering data from the future. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, not quite sure how you would do that apart from remote viewing. So. But I'm. But he doesn't say that, so I'm just kind of like you know, uh, suggesting that kind of based on, you know, how else are you going to do it, pal? So the in in whatever you know, in whatever way, they've got this data from multiple sources, and this data suggests that they that something is going to happen, which leads them to be pessimistic about it. That's the word that he used. And they're trying to verify that. They're trying to prove or disprove that by getting data from the other side. So they're attempting to communicate with the other side to check whether, you know, um, we should be pessimistic about the future. Now, you know, you could say climate change. You know what I mean? The, 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 a lot of people are pessimistic about the future. And I mean, that's one way of, you know, kind of extrapolating what we know now and blah, blah, blah. That's one way of reading the future, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, and also, interestingly, uh, Mishlove, Jeffrey, asked Robert, sorry, I like to call him, uh, you know, so is your idea that you're going to try and stop this? And Bigelow said, oh, no, 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 that's far too ambitious. Like, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a adventurer. I'm a journeyman. <laughs> what did he call himself? Something like that. I'm a wanderer. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's far beyond me, beyond my capacity to stop this, you know, uh, which is slightly insane, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was quite interesting that Bix is in contact with the other side essentially yeah so that was interesting yeah no, right now uh number number three we're at number three now number three involves a three 
involves a friend of mine, and I'm going to keep him anonymous. I'll call him, um, what shall I call him? I'll call him a T, T for Tommy, but his name's not Tommy. I'm just saying like T for a word that begins with T. Tomcat. And Tomcat says, he was in a conversation, a kind of three-way conversation that I was having with another very close friend of mine, who isn't, and, 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 and so T, this T fella, he is a, a listener to Paranormal Blip, and he's a very good friend of mine. And uh, the other guy um, doesn't listen, okay? And the other guy was kind of asking about, okay, so, you know, tell me all about it. And T is this absolutely extraordinary uh, kind of like voice. It was like a WhatsApp audio recording. And it was just amazing. It was eight minutes long. He was talking about crush, he was talking about the hearings, he was talking about, you know, all the stuff that we talk about, you know, but it was so in such detail, he doesn't really follow, I mean, he listens to me, you know what I mean? So, but he also does listen to Weaponized, I think, maybe not every episode, but I, I know he's kind of dipped into Weaponized. Um, maybe a few others as well, maybe need to know as well, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, the point is that he was, he did a really, really good job of explaining where we're at to this other guy who's kind of like totally out of he doesn't follow ufos at all yeah and he summed it up in the same way that rubio did you remember rubio yeah and rubio said the same thing and i don't think my mate knew that rubio had said it but they came to the same i mean you know other people have said it as well so he probably has heard it from somewhere well i mean maybe me who knows and maybe you know george knapp or someone or Corbett or whoever. But um, what he said was, you know, there's either there's something's going on, okay? There's two, and lots of people have mentioned this, you know, so this isn't news. But what it, what's interesting is because, you know, in politics, the idea is that you have to kind of drum, thick, like messages, very simple messages, over and over and over and over again until people get their message, you know? Because, like, in, in, I mean, everywhere in the world, but in the UK, you've got these five pledges, and then the opposition have got these five mission statements, five. And, you know, they're just constantly saying over and over again. I mean, it's, a, it's ridiculous. It's not that, it's not well communicated. And, you know, if you follow politics, you think that this is awful. But the point is that it's not done. Um, for people that follow politics, it's done for the people that don't follow politics. So that just through repetition, it kind of gets into the kind of social consciousness, you know? Um, and it's and people that don't follow this stuff, it's just kind of like there, you know, it's like a bit of muck on the wall that you can't help brush against because there's so much muck on the wall. And that is a, uh, yeah. A, a fitting analogy, I think, for UK politics at the moment. Um, so interestingly, my my friend, who you know doesn't, he he talks to people about UAPs a little bit, but uh, you know he's just like kind of follows it like loads of other things in his life. Do you know what I mean? He's not kind of constantly on it, you know. Uh, but he said the thing that. Um, other people have said and so it made me think well maybe this is getting true 
basically something's going on. It's one of two things. One, Grash is, you know, telling the truth. I mean, he did like go under oath. And on that, by the way, just quickly, Im imagine that you like said all of that stuff that you said a month ago under oath, and it was all just rubbish. I mean, there would be an investigation into why he had, you know, told lies under oath. And we would know about that investigation. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's obviously like the government and all of the people in the Defence Department that don't want this, like, you know, being spoken about. And all of the people, like the ICIG office and, you know, all of the people that all of the senators and stuff would be... Oh, no, sorry, but you don't do that in the United States. You don't kind of commit a felony in the uh, House of Representatives, boy. So, you know, you'd be like, so, you know, we know that, and everyone that follows this knows that Grush um, was clearly telling the truth. He was under oath, okay? And it's punishable by jail. And if he wasn't telling the truth, we would know about it because the processes would be in place to bring him to justice, okay? So that in itself shows us that he's telling the truth. Let alone, okay, so that's the number one, that's the that's the kind of number one thing. Number two is, he's not telling the truth. That would have happened, but also the ICIG guy would be like, you know, this isn't great, that there's a whole like uh, community of people deep in the defense department that are collaborating with each other. And apparently like, you know, journalists who are kind of investigating this are saying that they know people involved and they know that those people involved don't know each other, you know, because it's so compartmentalized, you know, that it's essentially a kind of conspiracy uh, in terms of getting in contact with each other and saying, oh yeah, let's pull off this like, mad stunt. <laughs> that would, you know, end our, like, you know, would basically end up in prison, but hey, let's do it anyway. They That couldn't happen just because of the people involved, okay? Because they don't know each other, yeah? Um, but, you know, that's the option two. Option two is that there's this kind of extraordinary conspiracy of lies, to, to but to what end? I mean, what end? It's not, you know, extending their... I mean, what they're doing, what Crush is, is doing is kind of, and we know this because there's an open investigation into the harassment, the political, oh no, sorry, the administrative terrorism. That's what you call it, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, but it's interesting that my friend T, uh, is that what I'm calling him? Oh, no, Tommy. <laughs> Tom, Tom, Tom. Um, his name's not Tommy. Um, yeah, he picked up on that. Okay, right, so that's two. Number two, 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 two. An extraordinary interview. Uh, that um, podcast, I mean, it's so amazing. The podcast that Kelly Chase does, it is called UFO Rabbit Hole Podcast. And it is so brilliant. And the last episode, and I've spoken to Kelly, and I've spoken to Jay, and... You know, it's like such a privilege to speak to those guys. The last episode of the most recent episode of um, UFO Rabbit Hole is a conversation between Kelly and Jay, Christopher King, I'm talking about, yeah? 
and it talks about um, being a, an experiencer, okay? Having contact experience, numerous contact experiences that are kind of life-changing. And it deals with it in such an extraordinary way. Kelly's introduction is just extraordinary. It's word perfect. It is the perfect introduction for people that are that are basically skeptical that basically like think people that have said that they've been um, abducted people that have had you know close contact experiences um that anybody that says that is a liar okay and kelly addresses that directly and she addresses it word perfectly it's absolutely incredible writing and delivery and then, and that's just the introduction, and then the conversation itself is just absolutely extraordinary. Like, you need to listen to this, okay? I mean, this episode is basically me telling you about other podcasts, essentially, that you should need to listen to, yeah? But in that, though, there's so much to learn from, and so much, and there's so, so much honesty and a kind of direct, um, like, unraveling, all of the kind of moments of that experience the kind of consequences of having repetitive contact experiences um and how people can respond to it and of course one response that that j christopher king had is to set up the experiencer group yeah so i mean you know that i'm a big fan of jay's work and i'm a big fan of kelly's work um that's a really special episode of that of that podcast and so, you you know, if you haven't, I'm sure most of you have listened to it, but if you haven't listened to it, then definitely check it out in the link. Now, the last one, number one, is the news, really is the news, the news. And this is, let me just turn my piece of paper over. So this is a letter that Tim Burchett sent to the Inspector General for the Intelligence Community, okay? And it was dated the 21st of August, which was yesterday, okay? Um, and it, it, it's signed by a couple of people, a couple of the other folks that were on the oversight subcommittee that spoke to Grush and Fravor and uh, Graves, you know, about a month ago, whenever that was. And so it's signed by Bachet, Moscovitz, Luna, Mace, Berlinson, sorry, Berlison, and Ogles. Is it Ogles or Ogles? Sorry, sorry, Mr. O-G-L-E-S. Is it Ogles? Maybe it's Ogles. Oh, Ogles. Maybe it's Ogles. Let's go with Ogles. Ogles. And uh, this is a really interesting letter. Now, I'll, I'll give you the extracts in a moment. But I feel like, now I may be totally wrong, yeah, I don't know, it's just my, you know, kind of suspicion, but my suspicion is that this decision to write this letter and, and kind of tweet it um, is a way of uh, kind of spotlighting the fact that they have, that they are asking for what they ask in the letter, okay? My feeling is that before sending this letter and telling the world that they've sent the letter, they would have approached the office of the Inspector General 
for the intelligence community first. And my feeling is that that was, didn't go anywhere. Okay. And Burchett and Luna and Moskowitz and all the rest of them said, well, okay, we tried, you know, the nice way. Let's go down the kind of public way now, you know, knowing that there's going to be eyes on this from a, you know, kind of energized community, knowing that what they know in the letter, that there are dates where we expect movement. Okay. So basically, the letter gives the Inspector General, his name is Thomas Monheim, 25 days from yesterday for answers. Okay. And if those answers need to be in a skiff, a secure, compartmentalized, um, in, what, what's the I? Is it intelligence facility? Whatever it is, must be. That maybe it's not intelligence facility. Whatever the I is, I don't know. Anyway, skiff, which is basically, I mean, you all know what a skiff is, don't you? It's like a room where you leave your mobile phone outside, essentially. And it's like, you know, you can't, it's it's secured. So you can't, it can't be penetrated by any listening device or any kind of device. So it's essentially a kind of, you know, a secure room where you have conversations and, you know, the conversations stay in the skiff. But like, you don't need to be, you know, have security clearance, security clearances for that. Um, Jeremy Corbell has been in a skiff, do you know what I mean? So you know, journalists can go in skiffs um, and so other people can go in skiffs. And of course, the politics around this situation, um, the administrative terrorism around this situation means that, you know, Brush uh, apparently isn't being allowed to go into a skiff anymore, which is just one way of, you know, the people that don't want this information to be released publicly to, uh, you know, kind of control the privacy and the secrecy a little bit longer having said that this letter is you know does have dates in it yeah so 36 days from yesterday if the information needs to be skiff skiffified so this is the kind of meat and potatoes of the of the letter by Burchett right he says hip quote considering Mr. Grush's testimony was under oath. I'm not doing an impression of Representative Burchett. We request answers to the following questions. One, which intelligence community members, positions, facilities, military bases, or other actors are involved with UAP crash retrieval programs directly or indirectly? So I suppose that means that if you have, you know, in the 50s or the 70s or whenever it was, whenever it was, uh, if you've kind of like parceled it all off to, as an example, Lockheed Martin, just an example, uh, but you've got one old wily old dude <laughs> somewhere in some kind of intelligence agency, like just as an example, the... Uh, the Department of Energy. <laughs> but, I mean, these are all examples. But it's good. It's probably bang on the money, isn't it? Yeah. But it is just an example. Okay. But probably bang on the money. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, you got some dude on the VOA sitting desk doing his Rubik's Cube and he gets like, oh, my UFOs. Yeah. And then, so that that's the direct, that's the indirect contact. Yeah. He's the guy that's, you know, kind of like running the old um, Lockheed Martin contractors. Yeah. So that's the indirect contact. Okay. That's the actor. There's indirect contact. So that's for the crash retrieval programs, okay? And then the same question, too, which intelligence community members, positions, facilities, military bases, or other actors are involved with UAP reverse engineering programs, directly or indirectly, okay? Tell us what you know. We know you know the stuff because Grush, under oath, told us that you know it. So you got 25 days to cough up 36 days if we've got to skiffify it and that's it now my you know i summarize oh not summarize i um surmise no no not surmise i um what's the word i think it begins with s um it's, i don't know what the word is but let, let's use another word yeah i um suggest that'll do it begins with s as well yeah i suggest that this public display of the letter and you know the timeline and all of that came after a private thing which was come then he's told us to talk to you so let's talk and i don't know at all but i suggest that that didn't go far okay no maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong um hopefully i am wrong and hopefully that will um get some information um but i don't know how much we will find out about that um, interestingly, Corbell, this isn't number zero, okay, because I've done number one, but just passing, Corbell was speaking to Chris Como today, and he said that, you know, essentially kind of people are going to leave ICIG. That is confident, you know, I'm confident. That gives me confidence with the kind of um, robustness of the ICIG uh, as an office that people, whistleblowers, are kind of still being... Um, you know, kind of speaking, speaking to that office, and that's happening. Okay, whether they come forward or not, you know, it's still an unknown. Um, Christopher Mellon the other day said that they he doesn't expect the oversight committee to do any more hearings. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But you know, it's very interesting because. There's lots and lots going on. I mean, this is, you know, kind of clear, um, whatever, like black and white, whatever, black and white letter, you know, with deadlines and that kind of like newsy thing. But the conversation is 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 bubbling. And there's a couple of things that are that are happening, like, you know, the things that I've spoken to you about tonight, that is um it's just absolutely extraordinary, absolutely intriguing um, question, you know. And I'll leave you with this, because Bigelow, who, by the way, because uh, Brandon Fugel has been talking to Sean Ryan, another crackling interview as well this week, and uh, Fugel said that Bigelow had a fax machine in 2016 at Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> For Bigelow to be sent faxes about like the latest reports about what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch by fax in 2016 it seemed bizarre. 
But anyway, Bigelow. And also, what's going on with the Bigelow Institute website? I'm, I can't get on it. It just doesn't come up. It's like, you know, doesn't exist. What is it just me? I mean, maybe it's just me, but are you having problems with the Bigelow Institute website? I just thought I'd say that because it was on my mind. But here's the thing. Bigelow in conversation with Mishlove was saying um, that there's apparently now there's three big questions for him. Because always, of course, there's two big questions. We've spoken about this in the first episode. Number one, what happens after you die? That's the big isn't it? Yeah. And number two, two, are there are we alone? Okay. Well, we kind of know the answer to one of them. And there's a lot of NDE testimony that gives us, you know, good good idea, basically, of the second one as well. Check out my mom's book as well. Yeah, it's in that as well. Children of Time Forgot. Yeah. And it's in episode two of this podcast as well, which is um, what happens when you die. And, but but Big, Bigelow says there's a third question as well. And it's, um, you know, what role does the God component play? Which I'm not too sure about that. There's a third one. It's not as good as the second two, is it? I mean, for many billions of people on the planet, that's a kind of settled question one way or the other. Not for me but for many billions. Anyway, I hope you have a lovely week and episode 68 will be around the corner, as we like to say. Stay in contact. Uh, subscribe to all of the uh, channels. You can find me on everywhere. But Twitter really is the kind of main one that I'm, you know, kind of posting to and contacting people through and all of that. But um, yes, I bid you adieu. Uh, goodbye and see you later.